It's another week. As always, I am Bo Reed along with my uh, esteemed colleagues and fellow baseball, football, F1, you know, all kinds of enthusiasm over here. <laughs> Samantha Button and Matthew Irby, as always, join me. Uh, so let's kick this off. Uh, Samantha, obviously, we're going to chat about the World Series uh, that, that starts on Friday. And I, I think I want to start here because uh, obviously there, there's a lot to talk about. And, um, you know, we, we kind of hit on a little bit of some of this stuff last week because we saw the die being cast. Um, so I wanted to start here because... We talked about, I think it was last week, we talked about the, 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 the no, it was the week before, because it was a, there was a lag time for the guy, the teams that had the bye, and we were wondering if there was going to be some difficulties for those teams because of the layoff, because of the time in between games. We've mentioned before on this show, anytime this happens, we, we reference that Tigers team that had a similar amount of game, days off going into the World Series as we have this time. But this time, this year, we have something interesting. Both teams have the same amount of time off. So I guess the question here is, does that favor Houston, who on paper is the better team? Or does it favor the Phillies? Because you actually look at the Astros and what they've done so far. They're just as hot as the Phillies. Yeah, I, I think it's a wash at this point. Um, had someone gone particularly long, and obviously the, the Phillies did play one extra game, but that's pretty negligible in the grand scheme of things. I, I, I sort of hate that they both have all this time off because it, it may potentially cool off both teams, which doesn't really help anybody. It just kind of makes it less fun. And also, you, you hate to see the week-long lag where there just isn't any baseball in the middle of the baseball postseason. But I'm not sure there's an advantage to be had here. Um, you had two hot teams coming in, and maybe one of them cools off and one of them doesn't. And then we say, okay, that team was affected by sitting. Um, I, I hate to say this, but if if all things, if we say, okay, all things are equal and nobody's going to be affected any more than anyone else, then you have to think that hurts the Phillies more because they were going more on the fact that they were hot, whereas Houston is probably the more talented team. Right. So that's not great for, you know, morality or baseball or earth. <laughs> morality. But, um, <laughs> but, I see what you did there. <laughs> So if anybody, you know, if, if everyone is pulling off equally because everyone has sat for an equal amount of time, then, yeah, I think that's that's a bummer for the Phillies. But we have to kind of wait and see how it shakes out. I mean, they're, they're pretty stoked still in Philly. If, you know, if you guys probably know this, but I don't know if you guys out there at home know about this. If you're not Philly fans, but like, you know, I mean, they're playing Robins, dancing on my own in Rittenhouse Square every day, twice a day at 12.30 and 5.30, and they've been doing it. It's the weirdest co-opting of a song ever. Never thought I'd see that one adopted by a baseball team, like mega weird. But 
okay, you know what? Like, we'll roll with it. It's Philly. It's awesome. So, I mean, they're stoked. I mean, we're, we're greasing light poles. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, the enthusiasm is there. The excitement is there. And you have to think that that will keep the team pretty hyped up as well. Yeah. I, I like how they greased the the, the, the light poles and it, they, it, it didn't stop anything. Like, the, 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 Oh, <laughs> tremendous. You have to make the effort, right? But, like, Philly cannot be contained. I, no, you know, you absolutely can't. Uh, Irby, same question to you. Is there an advantage here because of the layoff for either team? I, I kind of want to tend to lean towards no, that, that because it's the same, that this kind of is a wash and you just get back to both teams. I But because they've been dealing, they've had a few of these like this, I will lean slightly towards Houston. An advantage for Houston just because they've had a few of these already. Um, and, I mean, they've been here before, literally. I mean, this is five straight years of this that we have seen them get as far as the ALCS and now here again in the World Series. So so most of these guys have been here before. So, yeah, I, if anything, I'll lean slightly towards Houston. But I don't think and I also don't hope that it's going to be a big deal either way and that we just get whichever team executes, whichever team comes out and plays ball um, is the winner, and that there's not anything lagging on here. So that's the good news is that it seems as though we won't – that, that would not be the good news. That's the good news for me is, is that I hope that it doesn't affect either and we just get the better team, shows up, gets the job done. You know, uh, the one thing I, – I, I really do think this actually might be the X factor. Samantha, it's it's it's, it's the one thing that even if even a team that like say as hot as the Phillies, you know the last thing you want is days off when you're playing like the Phillies have been playing the the last handful of weeks. You don't want any time off. Um, but you look at the atmosphere in Philly, and it just makes you think if they could just get the split in Houston, right? If they could just carve out one win in Houston. And they go back, game three in Philly, games three, four, and five in Philly, tied. That has been a buzzsaw all through October. And it will be going into November. That atmosphere alone, I think, is going to end up being the X factor if it's still a series by the time it gets to Philly. Yeah, and I think in a lot of respects, it's not really any different from any other series in that way. And that the trick is always to get the road split. Out of the gate, you're probably in pretty good shape if you do. And, of course, you know, we remember that if it comes down to it, winner-take-all games in the last game of the series almost never favor the home team, probably because the home team theoretically should have been the better team and didn't get it done. So there is a reason for that. But if you come out with the road split, that's always the goal if you are the visiting team in a playoff series. And then you're coming home to this fantastic environment. And, and now we're talking about something completely different than we were talking about in the last round because New York basically just quit. And this is not a knock on the New York fans. They certainly brought it, but the team quit. I mean, they just gave up. Yeah. Neither of these teams is a quitter. So yeah, advantage Philly, if you get that road split and then you come home to what is, I think one of the, the greatest sports cities in the country, but also Houston's not a team that quits. I mean, we, we have a lot of, well, I said it last week, because the only nice thing I will ever say about the Astros is that they do not give up. And while they are arrogant, they are not arrogant in the same way that, like, let's say the Yankees are, or the Dodgers were, and that they get complacent. They don't do that. So you have two teams that are just never going to go away. So every one of these teams is going to be hard fought. Nobody's going to hang them up because they're down a couple of runs. 
So you have to hope you get that road split if you're Philly, and then you can come home, and then you have the advantage of being in your own house. You've got three games there. You know, there's something, I think, to be said for being a road team when the series run 2-3-2, because if you get the road split, yeah, you could just wipe it out at home. I mean, winning three in a row at home is a tall order by the time you get to the World Series, even the league championship. That's a lot, but it puts you in a very, very good position. I, I almost would rather be the road team in a lot of ways because I like that if you can steal that road split, you have a chance to just wipe it out in your own house. Irby, any additional thoughts there? We're about to talk about Houston. I just wanted to see if you had anything else here on the Phillies. I tons of additional thoughts. No, I, I love uh, uh, how this Phillies team... Um, has kind of gone through October. You know, the, the, the lineup, the one through five, you know, and this goes back to the, the layoff. Those guys stay hot. They stay hitting like they are. It's a tough, this is a tough team to beat. And, 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 and we know for games like this, it's going to be the other parts of your lineup that have to get the job done. But that one through five has just been fun to watch. Um, and hopefully they continue this. I know, I saw a tweet out there, and I'm not going to quote it and kind of paraphrase it. We're just talking about how Houston has been designed to be this unstoppable machine in October. And the Phillies just kind of feel like that team that doesn't know how to read road signs, and it says road closed ahead, and they're just barreling through like nothing exists. So that, I, that aspect from Philly, it's kind of been fun to watch these Phillies go about where they just don't care what's been in front of them. I mean, the, the last series... If the Padres had not upset the Dodgers, I can't, you know, definitively sit here and say that the Dodgers would have beaten the Phillies in a seven-game series. I, I did just the way this Philadelphia team has been playing. It is, and I don't love the you know team with Destiny Bob, blah, blah, all that stuff, but just the way they're playing. This is how baseball's supposed to be played, and this is how October baseball is supposed to be played. All right, Samantha, let's pivot over to those Astros. Now, I, I think I should preface this before we get into, into Houston that uh, nothing has changed on this podcast. Everything is still status quo with how everyone involved with this show, this podcast, how we feel about the Houston Astros. Until ownership is, is removed, until the players that were part of that 2017 team are gone, they're still cheaters, and they're going to be treated as such. That being said, X's and O's, it's a really good Houston Astros team, Samantha. And, and, and I, I'm wondering, what is there a matchup you're seeing, pitching, hitter versus pitcher, Anything that, uh, that that points to something that Phillies can take advantage of over Houston? Because they have been a juggernaut really since the be what beginning of September, maybe even going back to the beginning of August. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. when you If you stack them up, like, guy versus guy, Houston's a better roster. It's not true at every position. I mean, the Phillies, as much as we're talking about how hard they fought to get here, they're a good baseball team. There's a lot of talent there, and there has been for a long time. I mean, in a lot of ways, we've talked about that team as underachieving against the amount of money spent and the talent on the roster, and it's like they finally figured it out. All they had to do was get rid of Jeff Girardi. Go figure. But, I mean, I think for Houston, I mean, if there's a, a weak point, I, I don't know that there is. Um, 
I, I think if you look at the starters there, I mean, Verlander is very hittable. We know this. So that's something to keep in mind. And when is he, will Verlander start the first game? Have they announced that yet? Does I, anybody know? I, I mean, I believe so. So there's your opportunity for Philly, I think, to go get that road split. Is, is he's vulnerable, and, and Houston's pitching has been good, but it has not been unhittable. And they also, on the other side of things, we've seen pitching shut them down. Now, ultimately, they got the job done, right? But look how, I mean, give some credit to Seattle, as much as we make fun of Seattle and say they can't do anything right in the postseason. Most of those games were pretty close, and it was because Houston wasn't able to hit their pitching. And that could happen again here, too. And so I don't, I guess if there's a weakness, it's that there is no Bryce Harper in the Houston lineup. There is no, that guy's just going to take it himself guy. I mean, somebody, we, there are no Astros fans listening to this podcast, but if there were, somebody would argue that it's right, you know, that it's Altuve or whatever, but it's not. There just isn't anybody on that team who can do what Bryce Harper can do, which is basically just turn up in a playoff game and be like, F this, I'm ending this. Like, they don't have a guy like that. And you've got to deal with Bryce Harper four or five times a game. So I, I think that is encouraging. Um, the fact that they're not just throttling people. I mean, they, their best performance was really against the Yankees, who just looked like they were excited to get there and that they got... You know, the Guardians wore him out, I guess, and they had nothing left to give, or they didn't care, or they thought they were just going to walk over somebody, or what have you. But you know, they're they're not a flawless team. We have seen teams that look more invincible than they do. So I guess I'm coming back to sort of the Bryce Harper factor and the fact that Verlander, I think, is particularly vulnerable. And there's how you sneak that road split. So real quick, just to confirm, uh, it is Aaron Nola versus Justin Verlander. In game one. Irby, same question for you. Are there weaknesses that just haven't shown themselves that the Phillies can take advantage of with Houston? Uh, yeah, the last time the Astros lost, it was to the Phillies. <laughs> in Houston. Crazy as that is, last weekend, last series of the season, is the last time the Astros lost it to the Phillies. Also, the last time the Phillies lost the series was to Houston. So, here we go. Rarely, rarely do we get to have something like that. Um, but it, it means absolutely nothing. And I, I weak spot, yeah, I, I, is Jose Altuve going to show up? I'm okay with him not, but my gosh, he's, he's done very, very little. And, I mean, it's Jordan Alvarez. It, you know, it goes back to what you said, Bo, earlier. It almost pisses me off at times. Hey, let, let's let's live in a world where this doesn't happen. All this 2017 doesn't happen. Like these guys didn't cheat, and and even if they somehow won that series, well, let's say they didn't, and they're going for their first World Series. I'm a Ranger fan, but I'm probably sitting here today going, ah, man, they're gonna be tough. Like these guys are gonna, like we would almost you you can you can find aspects of this team that you would cheer for. None of us would be cheering for Bregman, cheater or not cheater. We all would be hating on Bregman. But guys like Jordan Alvarez or the story behind Verlander, things like that, like we would all be enjoying that. But but we can't because they had to have the prize the wrong way. And so it, it pisses me off sometimes where it's like, yeah, there are aspects of this team that are fun to watch. You know, I, I love seeing Kyle Tucker take at bats. He is a great swing. He has a, he's a wonderful swing, just a great 
player, an enjoyable player, a, a role position player that gets the job done. But I can't cheer for it. I won't cheer for it. And I'll pick Philly, you know, every day of the week, twice on Sunday. So it just, I don't know. That's, and that's why it's like I almost want to find things. And, and, and they're not there because this is a very good Houston Astros lineup. This lineup, this rotation, the bullpen showing up, everything on paper looks like, yes, they should take care of business. But we've been saying that for against the Phillies for a while now. <laughs> That they shouldn't be here and they should be taking care of business. And Houston, to, to finish up on their with a weakness, yeah, Houston hasn't played anybody since they played the Phillies <laughs> to end the regular season. Seattle, it was almost, we won a series, we don't have to do anything else. New York, we beat Cleveland, we don't need to do anything else. I, I, Houston, though they earned those wins, has not had a tough road at all right now, at all. It's also worth noting that the AOS wasn't exactly tough for them either. I, 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 Seattle was a, a wild card entry, but they finished, what, 25 games behind Houston in the West? Um, you know, like I, I, it's hard not to pick the Astros. Uh, my, my, my gut, though, kind of, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit last week, Samantha, my gut is still saying Philly has that look about him. Now, I'm, I'm concerned that four days off could change that, uh, but at least for what we've seen on the field, they look like they have that look of a champion to me. Yeah, I mean, the problem is both these teams do, right? Like, it's just a different kind. I mean, Houston just sure. looks like one of those invincible, well-rounded, complete teams that does everything right. Philly looks like that team of destiny just got hot at the right time, going to mow everybody down. And, and I think what we've learned in the past is when a team like that is present, that team tends to win. So that's good news if you're rooting for Philly, is that those teams traditionally, when when you get a team like that, and there isn't always, there isn't always one left at the end who's like that. But when we get one, they're very, very hard to stop. And they do look a little bit reminiscent of the 2008 Phillies as well, um, which is also good news uh, if you're rooting for Philly because that team did, of course, go on to win the World Series. So they have a little bit of that feel to them, too. Um, I think they're a team that needs to play loose, and when they do, they do well. Um, and that's what we're seeing there, and I think it's also why they kind of failed under Girardi uh, because he was not the right manager for this particular group, and I'm not really sure he was the right manager for that city. Uh, I'm not sure Joe Girardi's the right manager for anything, but, you know, water <laughs> under the bridge now... And, yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably the single most encouraging thing that we can point back to is that teams that come in and you think, I mean, think about the Red Sox after the, you know, the, the 3-1 comeback on the Yankees. That team, when the Cardinals saw them in the World Series, you thought, oh, this Cardinals team is toast. There's no stopping that. You just can't stop a team that's like that. Now, I think this Houston team is a lot better than that Cardinals team, so that's something they're going to have to reckon with. But historically, when we see these teams that just feel like team of destiny or whatever you want to call it, they more often than not, they kind of plow all the way through to the end. They don't typically do that through several series and then run into a wall. There are exceptions. I lived through one, I know, mm -hmm. unfortunately. But I lived through two, actually. But um, it's the odds are good. You've got pretty good odds 
Irby, same question to you. This team of destiny. You get that? Do you, do you, do you get that sense about the Phillies? Yeah, in, in the term you're using it, I don't, I don't particularly love the phrasing, but I understand what you're saying. And yes, the way, like, like Samantha said, how, how it's just. We, we see this a lot in sports, and it's so much easier to look at it on the back end when we when we see a championship team and you look at how they what they persevered through and 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 the wins here and these these moments that you can pick out and go that's why you're a championship team. It does have the feel of of what Philadelphia has been doing. Um, it does have that kind of feel of you know, a, a team that's going to, you know, come hell or high water, whatever you put in their way, they're going to break through. Like I said, like, forget, can't read traffic signs, don't care, whatever. They're just going to plow through like it doesn't matter. And it's, yes, it does have that feel. And, and, and it's the same with the, it's so funny when we see these things and you look at, and I'm, I'm going to pick on that lineup again, that top side of the, lineup for Philadelphia, you look at these names, you look at these guys, how they're hitting, it should have been like this most of the year. These are good hitters that just disappear at times. And here we are hoping that, all right, well, don't disappear right now, gentlemen. Like, like keep it going. And because <laughs> Philadelphia, it's, you know, I, 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 and there's the one thing if you want to hold on to a, a, an upset, because it will be, if Philly beats Houston, it will be an upset. But it's a reason that Philadelphia's been getting through this is I can look up and down that lineup, Schwarber, Harper, Real Munto, Baum, Hoskins, even even Stott and Segura. There are moments in this postseason that we can look at every single one of those names and go, yep, 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 yep. Where the Houston lineup, it's been Alvarez, Bregman, Guriel, and Pena. And as formidable as those guys can be, it, it, it hasn't been up and down the lineup, every, somebody new every day. And that's where, going back to what you're saying, that team of destiny, that team that's just going to persevere and get through and win this, it takes everybody. And obviously that's true, but it's when everybody is doing It's a different hero every night. And, yeah, Philadelphia has that feel where somebody different is going to step up in all, if it takes seven games, all seven games. You know, I, I tell you what, uh, you, you watch Pena play, especially this postseason. You see why they let Correa walk. I mean, you really do. I mean, not, not, it's not just that Correa wasn't worth the money he was asking for, uh, but Pena is a better player, in my opinion. I, I think it looked it just why I know it's his rookie year, it's his first taste, and all that fun stuff. But I think but when it's all said and done, he's going he's gonna end up being a better player for Houston than Correa was the last handful of years. But, you know, Smith, the one thing I find interesting about this particular matchup uh, it's got nothing to do with X's and O's and players on the field. And do we have X's and O's in baseball? Whatever. I'm going with it. Um, what I find interesting, game one of the wild card round, you had the Phillies and their massive comeback against the Cardinals. And then game one of the American League Division Series, you had Houston with their big comeback against Seattle. And we all said, you know, when we saw them come back on Seattle the way they did, we all we all knew that that series was over, even though that was just one game. We knew that series was over. I didn't really get that feel from the Phillies because I didn't quite expect them to be what they've become over the last handful of games. But it's interesting that the two World Series teams started their postseason campaigns 
with a big late inning, late game comeback. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a reach to say those things have anything in common, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, it's cool. They both started with a comeback. I don't think you could really draw any real comparisons there. Um, the reason we thought it was over with Houston is because we, I think we all felt like Seattle kind of had one shot to prove they belonged there. And then they got embarrassed in the first game. The Philly series didn't look like that at all. It looked like, wow, the Phillies rallied and won a game. We don't know what's going to happen here. So I think this is an apples to oranges thing. I don't think they really have anything in common. Um, but again, it does, you know, to me, all that does is point back to the, the thing that we keep circling around to over and over again, which is that neither of these teams quit. It doesn't matter if they're down. The game is not over until we have completed nine innings and someone has a lead. <laughs> <laughs> is um, Last question before we get into, before we pick the World Series and then get into the uh, NFL preview. Uh, last question. This Astros team, <clears throat> they've been... Obviously, what, six straight ALCSs. Uh, this is their fourth World Series trip in that span. So four out of the six times they've made it to the World Series. Is this Astros team the best one yet? Is this the best one that you've seen? Sorry, Samantha, let's start with you on this one. Well, the best one was the one that cheated. So I don't know. <laughs> um, I That's think... Fair. I. I mean, I don't know if I think it's the best one. Um, I think it is the best pitching that we've seen out of an Astros team recently. But I, to me, it's, I don't necessarily think it's the best team because I think they had a much, much easier road this year than they have in That's years past. I mean, yeah. New York just laid down and died, and Seattle's, sorry, Seattle people, but, you know, it, it was kind of a joke of a series. So, you know, Houston didn't get as far in recent years because they had to play tougher teams. And they also had to fight harder to get through the earlier series. So I think that's really more about a lack of competition. This is not necessarily saying that they are not as good as teams we've seen from them in the past. It's just that there's nothing that tells me that they're better because they have not been challenged anywhere near the way that they were over the last couple of years by previous playoff opponents. Irby, same question to you. Is this the best Astros team we've seen over the last handful of years? Hey, we're going to find out. Um, <laughs> I agree on the pitching. Yeah, front end, back end pitching, up and down. This might be the best that they've had. Offensively, no. No, no, that's 2017, 2018, right in there with the, the height of Altuve and Springer and Correa yeah. uh, and Bregman. You know, like that offense right there. There were other pieces there. Um, the, the aforementioned Josh Reddick in our let's remember some trades last week. Yes, yes. Um, but you know that that was probably a better offense. But it goes back to you know, and I'll double down what Samantha said. It's the uh, let's see, let's find out because you have had this. I'm going to make the comparison just because I'm kind of cheering for Philly, but this has a little bit of a feel of like a 14 and three Green Bay Packers playing in the NFC Championship. <laughs> Yeah, your record looks great, but you haven't played anybody yet. So now you're getting yeah. to play somebody. Yeah, but those Packers teams always lost in the conference championship, not the big dance. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, I know, and and unfortunately, New York and Seattle didn't do anything about it. But it, but it's kind of that's why I can't. It's not exactly. It's another apples to oranges. Um, we're not quite apples to hammers here, but no, it's I an think apples that to was oranges. a good comp though. Oh, okay. No, I think you were right. It's a different game, but the vibe is the same. No, I think you were exactly right with that. This is like Granny Smith apples to Gala apples. 
kind of. <laughs> there you go. Apples to crab apples. Uh, apples to crab apples. <laughs> the crabby one. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Samantha, I, I would uh, not be doing my job if I didn't uh, if I didn't throw this out here for you because because I know how you f- how you feel about that ALCS, but I'm going to just put it out there that I agree with you. This is obviously a conversation we've had off the air, but bring it on the air. Uh, at least the DNs would have tried. I Yeah, this is what's really frustrating, I think, to DNs fans and also to all of the people out there who are like, I hate the Yankees, I hate the Astros, give me literally anyone else. And, you know, we were, the I think, the lucky recipients of, like, a lot of, like, extra fan support um, because we're, like, not evil. Um, so even if you're neutral on the Guardians, I think we picked up a lot of hangers on there because it was oh, yeah. like, oh, not the evil empire, not the cheaters. Cool, sign me up. So, and, and the Guardians don't quit, you know? I mean, we keep talking about these teams that don't quit. So the Guardians, as much as I, I think that they ultimately would not have been able to beat Houston, I mean, I, I did pick them, but mostly that's because I love them and I thought they had a shot. I don't think they could have beaten Houston, but they would have tried. That is, you know, they, they would certainly not have done what New York did, which is just to act like, oh, well, we're beaten and lay down because that Guardians team didn't get where they did by being complacent. They got there by refusing to go away repeatedly and they almost got New York too so it's disappointing because we would have gotten a better series certainly I don't think it would have been a sweep and we would have seen better baseball absolutely uh you wouldn't have had some really questionable motivational tactics uh but good news Yankee fans Aaron Boone's going to be is coming back for next year so you got that going for you I'm sure you're very excited uh go ahead hit me up on Twitter if you uh just tell me how excited you are it's okay you can vent to me it's fine I, I, I'm, I'm here for you in any capacity you need. Okay, Samantha, let's pick this thing. Brackets all right, are well, out the window, right? Like, I know mine busted. Yeah, they're all busted. <laughs> so Everybody's just, brackets are busted. Let's just like, pick this thing. <laughs> yeah, nobody left alive. So, um, you know, I, I don't care. I know what I think is going to happen, but I also know what can happen and what I want to happen. And I, you know, the, the Philly fan base is probably the one that I identify the most closely with outside of my own fan base. I think they're sort of the ones that like I as a Cleveland fan have the most in common with. So, and I'm fond of the city of Philadelphia and their sports teams and their sports fans. So I wouldn't pick them if I didn't think they had a shot, but I do. I think there's a lot of work to do. I, they're definitely the underdog. It's going to be a tough road. But because I think they can do it, and because I like teams that have that feel, and because and I just want them to win, I'm taking the Phillies. And I, but I'm going to take them in seven. I mean, this is, this is not going to – no one's going away quietly in this one. Irby, <laughs> how about you? All right, well, I'm going to get the crap out of the way, and I'm going to, analytically, I'm going to pick Houston. Just too much there. Houston's going to win this. But my heart and, and the desire and everything is with Philadelphia, and it rests on a, a want um, for – so a, year, a good handful of years ago, I was fortunate enough to go to a double-A uh, all-star game. Yes, those do exist. double-A uh, all-star game hosted by the Frisco Rough Riders, and playing in that was one young catcher, Garrett Stubbs, a product of the – Houston Astros, been with the Astros up until this year. Mr. Stubbs is a Philly. He is the backup catcher to JT Real Munto. So because his grandmother was just so nice to me and my friends there and very talkative and a wonderful lady, I'm hoping her and her grandson can celebrate a championship. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's one way to go about uh, 
coming up with a rooting interest. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, man, I'm, I am, I'm a rock, in between a rock and a hard place here because I agree with Irby. My head says Houston. Uh, but, oh, God, my heart does not say that. And it's, it's really, it's got nothing to do with <clears throat> the animosity that I have towards that franchise for a lot of reasons. Um, chief among them, 2017. Uh, but this Phillies team just has a different feel to it. And I want to take them so bad. I mean, I really, really, really do, but I can't. Uh, I think it goes seven. I think I think Houston does end up getting uh, this uh, getting this World Series win. Um, it would it, this one at the moment would seem legitimate. Uh, but it does, I, I want to get out in front of this right now. If the if the Astros do win this, it doesn't mean you still didn't cheat in 2017, Astros fans. You've got one championship, not two. This it doesn't necessarily mean they're not cheating now either. That's a good Just point. Saying. That's a really <laughs> we don't know really, that. It's a really really. <laughs> That's the problem with point. them winning is that <laughs> we can't re- we really don't know who won this until like 2026. Yeah, it's going to be a few years before we know who the World Series champion is this year, unless Philly just wins it outright. <laughs> we have to wait for someone to gather data. Uh, we need John Boyd to do his work. See, hopefully he does that or someone does it quick. Did you hear, sorry to change it, uh, the, what is it, the 2012 Summer Olympics that the IOC finally made a ruling on one of the Russian sprinters and stripped her gold medal? Like 10 years? It took y'all 10 years to figure this out. So hopefully we do this a little quicker. <laughs> well, I am absolutely pulling 100% for the Phillies, but I'm taking the Astros at seven. It's going to go seven. I mean, the path is there. They got to beat Verlander once. They can do that. It's like Samantha said at the top of the show, he's hittable. Um, and this Phillies lineup, if they're rolling, they can hit anybody. So um, there's a path. There's a path to get this done. But Houston, um, to me, just looks looks too tough to take. So I'm taking the Astros. All right. Let's get into the upcoming week for the NFL. We have a couple of games we're going to chat about here before we get into our Let's Remember Some Trade segment. Samantha, let's start with the Patriots or at the Jets. A couple of interesting talking points here between these two teams. Let's start with the Patriots here, Samantha, because... Everyone really kind of thought they were they were they were they weren't going to be good this year. They were they were going to be a joke. They were going to be you know trying to figure things out and hey we're gonna we're gonna compete but we're not going to compete. Uh, that hasn't turned out to be the case. Yeah, I mean it's a little bit tough. Like we're having this conversation at the wrong time because they just got embarrassed by the Bears, um, and they they did some wonky things with the quarterback situation there in game, and also hey, that was play funny. calling. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that was a, a weird clunker. I mean, generally speaking, we don't think of the Patriots as a team that loses games that they are supposed to win. But yeah, there were a lot of people at the beginning of the season, you know, making fun of the whole like Matt Patricia calling offensive plays and saying Bill was washed. And to me, it's like. You can't ever count the Patriots out of anything as long as Bill is in the league. I think he has earned the right to essentially force us all to assume that they will be at least somewhat competitive as long as he decides to stick around. 
So now we're in this weird situation where there's like this artificially created quarterback controversy, which is just beyond weird because like you guys are like the same person, like Mac and Zippy. Um, I know his name is Zappy. I, I like Zippy better. Zippy um, sounds much they're, better. They're, they're, they're like the same guy. So that's a little weird. Um, ultimately, I think Mac takes his job back. I mean, Zippy just doesn't have the experience. But strangely, they are the same person with the same skill set. And they are also both like proto-Tom Brady in a way. So that tells you something. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that people slept on this Patriots team a little bit because like they were doing like weird shit with their coaches and the way that they named things, which if you go back through Patriots history, there's there's a track record of this. The You know, we don't name anyone the anything. One must earn the title. And you're like, seriously? But this is not the first time this has happened. It just made headlines because Matt Patricia didn't do well in his head coaching debut in Detroit. And he came back. He's on the opposite side of the ball. It's probably really not that big of a deal. Um, and also, like, I really think Matt Patricia's calling all the offensive plays. Like, guys, no. That's not a real thing. So, yeah, I, I think there was some easy dunks here that were, that were funny and it was all very entertaining and everything but like you know I mean I really I can't understand the, the justification for saying well the Patriots are just out they're done as long as Bill is in charge it's almost like people just refuse to learn <laughs> all the, yeah all the evidence is right there for you <laughs> oh people want it too badly you know people That's everybody it. hates a winner and then they want it too badly and then they they invent scenarios because it needs the narrative that you need to meet which is okay you're allowed to do that sports guys you're, you're allowed to, to want whatever you want but what you can't do is say it's true because it's not you can want it but that doesn't make it true <laughs> <laughs> Irby how about you any thoughts here on the Patriots though so far I, I don't fully believe that. I mean, are they just like messing with us? Like, is there a possibility with all this want, like you mentioned, this wonky coaching stuff and everything that, that the Patriots are just kind of, yeah, I mean, we're always going to be a wild card team anyway. So let's work on some things the first half of the season and then start playing in the second half. I know it's not that easy, but I'm also, because it's Bill, I, I, I'm not 100% convinced that they're not going to turn it around here. And then, and it's, because of the two teams in front of them being the Jets and Miami, I know the Jets. The record's five and two, and that's great. And that's awesome, and it, and it is wins. You can all you can do is win the games in front of you. But Denver, Green Bay, Miami, Pittsburgh. Let's not all jump up and down. <laughs> all right, let's talk about those Jets then, because you just mentioned they're five and two. They're second in the AFC East. Let's get realistic. Let's get real. Here, Samantha, what exactly do you think the ceiling is? Obviously, it's better than we thought preseason because they've already won five games. So what is what is the new ceiling for the Jets right now? Respectability, probably. Um, legitimization oh, yeah. of, like, you know, certain members of the roster and staff who badly needed that. Yeah, I, look, the Jets are not as good as the record indicates and they have had a pretty easy road so far and I love that the Jets are doing well. I think it's fun and awesome. I don't actually think they're good. I just think that they are better than we thought and they're headed in the right direction. So I mean, the, the Brees Hall injury is pretty devastating. Um, I, I think that's probably going yeah. to matter. Um, and I, I don't know that, I, I'm not sold on, I mean, we all love Zach Wilson, right? He's like a folk hero now. We love this guy. Um, he's he's great. I want him to do well. But 
I don't, I'm not super sold on Zach Wilson as like the guy he was drafted to be. You know, we all thought he was overdrafted at the time, and I, I think that's going to end up being true. I think Robert Powell is a good coach. Um, the talent level is not there yet, particularly on defense, but I think they will get there. Um, and I think they will continue to play over their heads. So they're fun, they're plucky, they're like, you know, it's like a frisky team. You know, you can't count them out. You have to take them seriously. Like, they, they're a team that's going to win games against opponents that get arrogant and complacent because they think the Jets aren't anything. But people are waking up to that, so that's going to change. But so far, I'm impressed. I just think we need to not get, like, overexcited about this. Like, yes, the Jets are finally going in the right direction, but we got we got a long way to go, guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I would like to just caution. Now, I'm not making a comp here because you can't make a comp. Um but it wasn't too long ago that the Panthers went 4-0, and since then they've lost pretty much every game and fired their head coach. Now, I'm not saying the Jets are that. The Jets are nowhere near that. The Jets actually have The Panthers were never 4-0. I, I hate to break it to you. They lost the first game of the season. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about last year. Yeah, last oh. year. Last year. Yeah, I'm talking about last year. Oh, you're, oh, yeah. you're talking about, I'm talking about last how, year. Yeah, yeah how, they started the, how they started last year oh, and how they ended well, – and where they went now again they, I'm they not fired comparing. their coach this year though like right. let's let's be clear on this, this okay, is yeah. not they like fired. we're confusing people now <laughs> last year they started the season 4-0 then they went downhill a year later the coach got fired right but that's where it went they didn't they they, they start off 4-0 then they started losing and they kept losing going into this year fired the head coach now again I'm not comping here like the I don't I, don't, I do not view these as Apples to apples. These are really is an apples to hammers comparison with the teams. But it is a cautionary tale about getting too overworked about a hot start. That's all I'm saying. Irby, how about you? Any thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, just because I'm kind of an a-hole about stats and everything, it was a 3-0 start, but your point is absolutely true. Um, <laughs> they didn't get to 4-0 because you're Cowboys. So oh, the right. point's true. I don't think. <laughs> it's not. I don't. I don't. No, not you. Him. I, I think this cop is way off base. I'm sorry. I said there it's are, not a cop. I said it's not a cop. I specifically said it? that. And why are we talking about it? it was like, a, it's, a, it's a cautionary tale about getting overworked about a hot start. That's all I'm saying. I don't think these things have any. I can't wait till, <laughs> till I get to promote. I can't wait till I get to promote this show saying, are this year's Jets the 2021 Panthers? <laughs> Oh, you would do that. <laughs> I would do that. I would I, do that. Producer, edit this out. Uh. <laughs> um, all right, Jets. So yeah, first thing in order, 100 percent agree. The the, the Brees Hall injury. This one's gonna hurt. This is gonna obviously. This one's gonna hurt big, and it, and it might be the difference. The good news is, because you've taken care of what's in front of you, I. The postseason is not the craziest thing in the world to say here. Like, 500 is absolutely obtainable, but a wild card berth isn't the craziest thing in the world to talk about here. Because of this, I mean, it's been a cake kind of life schedule. It does get harder, but not too terribly hard. You haven't played New England. You haven't played Buffalo yet. So you've got those. And here's the opportunity. If you want to be that. If you're sitting here, oh, we're a half game behind Buffalo. Yeah, that's cute. You haven't played them yet. If you want to be better than New England, you've got to split. At the at the bare minimum, you've got to find a way to split these. 
you know, we've seen they've already got the win over Green Bay. They've got the rest of that NFC North. So this team can beat Chicago. I they Minnesota could beat themselves when they play the Jets. And then there's Detroit as well. And they've got Jacksonville. And by week 17, they play in Seattle. Who knows what Seattle team? I mean, my gosh, can we be week 17? Can we be sitting here going, Seattle Jets, winners in the postseason? Oh, man, that's wow. That's possible. So, I, I yeah, the, the, the ceiling of this team is the postseason. Will they get there? I don't know. It's too soon. And this injury definitely takes a shot at that. So, it, it just continue to – like, the defense has been fun to watch. These guys are getting the job done. You look at the points they're allowing. Yes, week two, they gave up 30 to, to Cleveland. But, but you held Cincinnati to 27. That's when Cincinnati was figuring themselves out. But then after that, 20, 17, 10, and 9. Your defense holds teams to those points. You keep teams under that 20-point mark, and you can win games. And you can win more games than you lose. So, hey. And if they win more than they lose, well, they go they go six and five the rest of the way. This isn't all. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, sorry. They've only got ten games left. Ten games. Five and five. Even if they just play five and five. Ten and seven Jets team when it's all said and done. All right, let's pick this one. <clears throat> Samantha, who do you have here, Patriots or the Jets? Patriots. Like, look, first of all, Bill doesn't lose to teams that he has, like, long-standing grudges against. So, sorry. Um, ain't going to happen. Also, the Patriots don't have back-to-back clunkers, and they had one a week ago. So, bad luck on the timing there. Sorry, Jets fans. I, I think that the, the streak ends here. Oof. Irby? Uh, yeah, exact same reasoning. Patriots, they don't. New England doesn't have bad to back, back-to-back bad games. Maybe you both have good games and you squeak one out, but um, no, I think New England finds a way to win this one and brings the Jets a little bit back down to earth, which isn't going to necessarily be a bad thing. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to be weird and take the Jets. That 12-game, was it 12? Is it a 12-game winning streak the Patriots have over the Jets? Yeah, that ends on Sunday. Calling it. Jets, you could book it. All right. 49ers at the Rams. Samantha, let's talk about Christian McCaffrey. Uh, because obviously the 49ers they dealt some draft picks. Um, because you know they had a lot to deal from. Uh, not. They did not. Uh what is the impact of this? I mean, short term, yeah, they, they they get some they get a running back that I'm not so sure they needed so badly. To, dra- to trade away the draft picks they did, but that's what they get now. Um, what does this impact? Like, like now, impacting the draft next year, where are we at here with this McCaffrey trade to San Francisco? I didn't like this trade at all for them. Um, you know, you're, you're dealing from a very short deck because of the Trey Lance trade. And I might even look at this differently if things had worked out with Trey Lance and you were just steamrolling everybody in your division. And it's like, okay, you know what? Push all your chips into the center of the table. I don't like that model because it ultimately comes home to roost as we're seeing with the Rams now. But guess what? The Rams won a Super Bowl and flags fly forever. So, like, really, you know, who cares if you can't do anything right for a couple of years because you don't want to be drafted because you won a Super Bowl. So I, I think most people would consider that worth it. I know that I would um, if it were my team. But you're not necessarily in a position right now 
where it looks like all the pieces are there. Here's the Super Bowl team. Let's just gild the lily because that's what this is. It's gilding the lily. I think it would be a little bit different if you were trading to fill a need. Um, and I understand that technically, you know, you always need, I'm using air quotes here, more weapons. But I think this kind of stuff tends to have more impact when either the whole thing already looks like a juggernaut and you're just adding on to make sure because why the hell not or because you have one very highly specific need that is not being met. That's not the case with McCaffrey here. Now, can Kyle figure out how to use him effectively? Absolutely. Is he going to be a positive contributor? Absolutely. Is it worth blowing up your draft? Well, if it wins your Super Bowl, absolutely it is. But I don't know that Christian McCaffrey is like the straw that serves the drink in terms of like, oh, that was the thing they needed. Now they're going to go out and run over everybody. I don't think so. They already have a pretty easy path in the NFC. They don't look anything like a team that can compete with the likes of the Chiefs and the Bills right now. So I think this was kind of foolish. And the other thing I think that comes into play here is Christian McCaffrey can't stay healthy. That is a lot to give up for a guy who you cannot keep on the field. So, all right, Christian McCaffrey. Well, you know, I if we're playing Madden football, this looks really well if you're playing as the 49ers because you can just turn injuries off and everything is wonderful and you don't really care about draft picks. But we don't live in that world. And I, I, I analytically speaking, I don't love this. I don't love how much you've given up. I mean, to, to at this point, you're right. Like, if, if San Francisco, if you had not bring your own feet and lost week one and week three at Chicago, and, and you were 5-1 and one going into this Kansas City game. And even if it went the way it did, you know, I know the trade happened before, but if you're 5-1 and one going into there, then the trade, you make that trade, and it's like, okay, yeah, you really do believe that you can do this. And, and you're, you're still winning in the division, and you're looking at the whole NFC, and it's like, yes, yes, let's get, we are going to blow through this NFC I know the Rams didn't quite do it. But you're going to blow through this NFC, and then we're going to see who we get on the other side. Because last year we thought it was the Chiefs and the Bills, and neither one of them made it. And it was someone like the Bengals. So does that happen again? Who knows? It's not your problem. You blow through the NFC, and you get to that Super Bowl. It's not the greatest of approaches. It's not the worst. <laughs> but this is one now that this feels too much of this whole Lynch family, Shanahan family, McCaffrey family. I mean, my gosh, I feel like we're talking about the Chicago White Sox from a few years ago. And it's like, let's get everybody together that we know and all our uncles and our cousins and everybody that's related playing on the same team. And that, that's great in high school, but it doesn't work out as well in pro. So all that aside, I, I just, I'm with you. I don't love this. This feels a little desperate, um, and maybe that's what this is. This is John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan realizing that, hey, if we don't make this work in the next year or two, we're gone. We're absolutely gone. So you're going in, and, and you are absolutely mortgaging, and, and there's the self-preservation. Okay, I'm mortgaging my future because we got to win, and we got to win now. We got to get back to the Super Bowl. We got to take care of this NFC. So from that side, I get what you're doing. Um, McCaffrey, yeah, you know what? If you keep him, obviously more plays than he did last week, but if you keep his playtime down and just let him be explosive when he's out there, which is might be the case, 
Maybe you can keep him from getting injury. Again, there's another maybe, you know. Maybe the rest of the, you know, maybe the toughest team to beat is Seattle, which you've already proven you can beat. So maybe that, maybe Arizona doesn't figure it out. Maybe you take care of the Rams once again. All these things line up, and it works out great for San Francisco. And it doesn't necessarily mean you sit there and go, see, we were right. It's like, well, yes, you were right in the sense that it worked out, but there's still going to be issues on the back end. So all that aside, fanboy, uh, I changed my lifting routine this week to start doing uh, the Christian McCaffrey lifting, so I want to get me some CMC arms uh, because I'm just going to choose to go all fanboy here. It's going to hurt like hell when this falls flat on its face and it hurts, but whatever. I'm going to go fanboy. And we got Christian McCaffrey. Um, the defense kind of scares me a little bit after what just happened because Patrick Mahomes went through you like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> like, what the crap? So defense got some things to figure out too, but that was a, that was a punch to the face. San Francisco has actually only played in one game this season that was decided by a possession. Uh, that was that embarrassing for all parties involved, 11 to 10 loss in Denver week three. Uh, everything else is just, they haven't been close. They haven't been close. So I, San Francisco, you can get things right by taking care of the Rams a second time um, and then take yourself a week off. And I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I'm tired of analytically trying to figure out making moves like Trey Lance and Christian McCaffrey for all these draft picks because I like draft picks. So I'm just going to go against it. And like I said, pure fanboy. I'm going to get me some Christian McCaffrey arms and we're going to do this. You know, I, does somebody, it's okay. It'll be me who points it out. Like we want to get on the Bo Reed lifting program because like they're like the same height, but Bo is bigger. <laughs> A true story. <laughs> I, yes, yes. I do. <laughs> I, let me get my, my CMC arms, and then we'll work on my Bo Reed arms. Oh, my arms are so much bigger. Come on, man. Come on. Amateur hour. <laughs> but real quick, though, Samantha, back to the trade itself. You know, it, Forget the draft pick compensation. Forget the injury history with McCaffrey. I don't see where the NFC is suddenly more winnable now because they have Christian McCaffrey. Like the NFC was already up for grabs, she was already a crapshoot. I don't see where it's where their chances of winning it are greater now. Well, and this is the problem, right? Because like I can't forget the injury history or the draft picks, and which I think kind of proves your point because now you've given up all of these things and taken all of this risk. To put yourself in position to do what? Like, do the thing that we all thought you had a great shot to do anyway, because, like, who else is going to do it? I'm not necessarily saying I think San Francisco is the best team in the NFC right now. I'm saying they are very much in the mix to win the NFC, and they don't know that they're more in the mix now. Like, if the, like, think of it this way if the 49ers and the Eagles meet in the NFC championship, do the Eagles lose because of Christian McCaffrey? Like I from a just from a pure matchup standpoint, like I fail to see how that makes any difference there. Like the, there's not like a oh, if only we had Christian McCaffrey, then that will be the key to beating the Eagles. So yeah, I think you're right. It's like you upgraded to the same spot. 
which is like second place. So you're now a better second place, but you're still second place, and it was expensive. And you couldn't afford to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Irby, any final thoughts here before we pick this one? Uh, yeah, the last weird thing, too, is, is it, this, this, and this adds to that, that kind of desperate feel, is you've given up all these draft picks for a running back, and in the last two drafts, you've spent three draft picks on running backs. You know, you got Ty- Tyron Davis-Price, Davis who you used a third-rounder on this year. He's only gotten 16 touches this season. You Trey Sermon's not with the team anymore, and Elijah Mitchell's hurt. So I, I, I get that, you know, things aren't working out, but it's you're using draft picks on running backs, and you're giving away draft picks for running backs. After how many years of building on the line, offensive and defensive. So that's the only thing that it's, I, I, it just, it's, it's weird. That's the, that's the weird thing. This is what I don't get and I don't love, but it's also why I'm again, choosing fanboy. It's going to work out just because I said so. <laughs> I mean, in your defense, fanboy really is the only place you can go at this point. All right. Samantha, let's pick this one. Who do you have here? 49ers or Rams? Oh, the 49ers. I mean, whether I like this trade or not, they are the better team. In recent history, L.A. has had a lot of trouble with them. There is no home field advantage if you play in L.A. So lots and lots of reasons here. And and the 49ers coming off of a loss, I just think they're a much better team than the Rams right now. With or without Christian McCaffrey. Once again, another thing we did not need Christian McCaffrey for beating the Rams this week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Irby, how about you? Uh, yeah, I would not want to be in those uh, defensive meetings the last couple days uh, out in Santa Clara after doing what Patrick Mahomes just did to you. So I fully expect the Niner defense to come out and play like they have been this season um, and the success that they have been having up until that game. Uh, so yeah. we see a revert yeah. to that. And uh, I've got the Niners winning in, a, uh, what is it, South Santa Clara home game? Los Angeles Angels, Vanheim, Baja, Southern California. Oh, yep. man, it's bleeding into the NFL now. Oh, God. Great. No, 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 no. The, no, the South, that's what they were calling it last year when the Niners would go down to the Rams because there's more Niners fans. It's the point you were making. It. They, they were, the team was even calling it. Like, we're heading down to South Santa Clara. Yeah, Santa Clara South. Like, you could be anyone. It's also, like, it was Cleveland West yeah. a year ago, too. It was New England West. Like, what a joke. Stop trying to put football in L.A. Uh, topic for another day, but yes. <laughs> L.A. is baseball and basketball, Mr. Goodell. Deal with it. Uh, no, I, I, I agree with you guys. I think it's the 49ers. And I look, I think the 49ers could play defense exactly the same as they did last week and still beat these Rams. So um, I, I just don't see that. That happening, 49ers over the Rams. All right. It's time to remember a trade. Samantha, what do you have for us tonight? Okay, guys, so I think this should be a relatively easy one um, for you guys as well as the audience, but we'll find out. I never know uh, <laughs> how this is going to shake out. Uh, let's remember some trades. It's always an adventure, uh, but we're going back to 2008 here for this one, and this is a sort of a deadline deal. It took place on July 7th, so it is pre-deadline, but it is very deadline in nature, and one of the teams involved is, of course, my own Cleveland then 
Indians, now guardians, we will be referring to them as the Indians for this conversation because that is who they were when this trade took place. Which year again? I missed that. 2008. July 2008. Guardians fans playing along at home. I know you all know this one just off the top of your head, but humor the rest of the audience here. Ooh, 2008. Just two teams? Just the Guardians? Just two teams. Okay. Just two teams. That's that's what he traded Sabathia, right? It is. Is this the Sabathia trade? It is. Okay. Oh, whoa! Yeah. Told you. This is is like, yeah, right off the bat. There you go. So, yeah, this is Sabathia to the Brewers. Right. That is Sabathia to the Brewers. So, that's the easy part. So, let's see... If we can get what the return is, but good job, Bo. Way to way to like get all over that right off the bat. So sorry, everyone, if we didn't give you a, a second to work on that. I know Cleveland, y'all knew that, but um, sorry, guys. But um, yes, Bo, very good. This is BCC Sabathia trade. Um, this is a a rental for Milwaukee. Keep that in mind. Uh, they don't keep him after the season. Uh, he goes there for just a couple of months. Uh, for a postseason run, and then he's he's gone to New York after this. So something to keep in mind there. Um, but all right, so what's coming back here? If I remember correctly, there were a couple of pieces that, or that turned out to be big big players for Cleveland in this uh, trade. There's one. There's another one that ends up being a huge disappointment. <laughs> Yeah, actually, the only piece of this trade that worked out for Cleveland was the player to be named later. Um, the big headliner was a flop, um, as were the other two um, more uh, valuable components. This was not the best trade um, for Cleveland, although they did end up getting their money's worth out of it since they knew they couldn't keep Sabathia anyway. It actually did end up being worthwhile for Cleveland. It's just that the only reason it was worthwhile is because the player to be named later who was added to this trade at a slightly later date turns out to be a significant contributor for them. It's always the toss-in player. Always. Every trade. Yeah, this isn't Especially like, with the Brewers. Of like the Grady Sizemore, <laughs> Cliff Lee trade, the, the trade where they got all those guys back for like nothing. I mean, Cleveland typically hoses people on these, but that was not the case here. They, they squeaked out a, a wash on this one. With the player to be named later, but the headliner in this one was a dud. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um, hmm. I I know two of the offensive. I did not realize that the headliner was the player to be named later. I knew he was involved in this trade. I didn't realize that that was a a PTVNL. Yeah, yeah. It sure was. It sure was. And I'm sure you know who the headliner is. The the big. A big flopper. Um, the other two, um, a, he was a good four A player. He was very, yeah. You know, he is. You're right. It was a great way to describe him. He was like the epitome of a quad A player. Um, he didn't last long, and his performance in Cleveland was was not wonderful. Um, the other two are going to be very difficult to get because they never made it out of the minors. Um, in fact, one of them has the same name as a guy <laughs> who plays for the A's currently and, and who I believe was in Texas's system at one point. And the photo, and this is very, very rare, but occasionally on baseball reference, if you look hard enough, you'll find an error. I, we have found one other mistake. 
in the past there. And this is the second one I've ever found there because the photo of this person, because they have the same name, is a dude in a Texas Rangers uniform. And I was like, that's weird. This guy never played for Texas. And then I realized it's a photo of the other guy with the same name who was at one point in the Texas system, <laughs> who is now at the end. So whoops, BB ref, I'll send them an email. Um, wrong guy. Um, they do have stats for both of them. Um, but unfortunately, the photo attached to this gentleman uh, is a much, much younger gentleman uh, who is still active in the A system right now. Um, and this, this fellow is 39 in real life, and he's long gone from baseball. So, whoops, whoops. <laughs> BB Ruff, we love you, but every once in a while, uh, something goes awry. So that's probably not super helpful even for a Rangers fan, um, and it is a very common name. Um, so I can go ahead and give you those two guys, and then we'll let, if Bo wants to take a stab at the other two, and if you guys at home want to keep kind of working on those, if not, Irby will give them to us. But the other two gentlemen involved in this trade, now keep in mind, this is not the player to be named later who turned out to be the prize of this trade, and it's also not the headliner who turned out to be a flop. These are two pitchers who were included in the deal who were expected to be, we'll call them like sort of the middle pieces of this. Um, right-handed pitcher Rob Bryson, uh, who was, in the minors uh, with Cleveland from 2007 to 2013, a little bit more on him later. Other gentlemen, and this is the guy who is um, unfortunately wearing someone else's face um, on BB Rap, Zach <laughs> Jackson, uh, left-handed pitcher. Not to be confused with Zach Jackson, same spelling, same name, uh, 22 years old, I believe, right now, not 39 years old, showing up in his Texas uniform, currently a member of the A's. Um, unfortunately, he did not play for either of those teams uh, during his career. So poor guy doesn't even get to have his, his stats next to his face. But those are the two pitchers uh, who were included in this deal, and neither one of them ever made it out of the minors. So a bummer for them. Um, Bo, folks at home, do you want to take a step at the other two players involved in this? Do you want to hint? Um, Irby knows who they are. And we'll give you guys a little bit of time to work on this. Bo, can we interest you in a hint, a clue? Um, how about a question? Uh, player to be named later, is this a pitcher? It is not. It's not a pitcher. Okay. For some reason, I was neither thinking... of them are neither of the remaining two. That See, we get are for some for some reason, I was thinking Kluber. I don't know why. Oh, <laughs> but <I> no, was. <laughs> no. Interestingly, this person and Kluber were teammates in Cleveland. Um, and they are also both still, this person, like Corey Kluber, is still active. He just doesn't play for Cleveland anymore. He left as a free agent. Okay. You you, know, I mean, if you want a, want a more obvious hint, he's get... still active, like, now. Like, as in his oh. team is still oh. participating in the 2022 season. However, he personally is not active because he is injured. His team is. Oh, you know, I know who it is, and I'm blanking on his name, and you're going to kill me, Samantha, for blanking on this name <laughs> in particular. It's an outfielder. We love him. Outfielder. Everybody loves him. He's Outf the only person who plays in the trash cans that we feel cheer uh, for. Oh, man, why am I blanking on this name? Oh. Cleveland. Yell at him. Left-handed guy, left fielder. God, I, I, very I, I respectable actually, career in Cleveland. I can actually see his swing. I can see yeah. his swing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's gonna really irritate me when you guys tell me who this is. 
Yes, oh. it is. God, why am I blinking on this name? Of all the names to blink on, why this one? Oof. His father was a major league player as well. Does that help you? No. <laughs> There's a lot of those. Oh. Yeah, but there's only one that's still active. Oh, sorry. Make it harder. Make it harder. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not true. Please don't listen to that. Any any eighties band hints with this one? Um, okay, he has the same first name as the last name of one of your favorite eighties bands lead singer. His first name is the same as first that person's Michael. last name. Yes. Oh, Good job. I We're referring that. to Brett Poison for those playing along at home. This is the first time Bo has successfully <laughs> um, understood one of these hints. So, yes, we are looking for a Michael. Michael. Oh. Those are the B. Mm-hmm. There's a rant in the middle. Brantley! There you go. <laughs> Thank uh, God, Michael Brantley. Of course, I could see, for 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 those Cleveland fans listening. I knew who it was. I just couldn't think of the name. I feel like I, I should get some points for that. I knew who it was. <laughs> he, he wants he wants you to trust him, guys. Trust me. I knew who he was. I just couldn't tell you. <laughs> if I told you that, I'd have to kill you. That's great, Bo. Um, but we did get we got there, right? And, and you also. And, and you got the CC Spathid part of this. So you do get full credit for that. All right. Um, do you want to take a shot at the other guy? Um, now, really. keep in mind that Michael Brantley <laughs> was the player to be named later here. He is the only valuable piece to come through in this trade, the only truly valuable piece, and he was a player to be named player. So that was a huge get to the Cleveland front office, and it also rescued what would have been a, a pretty lousy trade. Um, and, and understand, too, that the reason the return on this is light is partly because Cleveland completely overvalued the guy who was supposed to be the centerpiece of this, but it was also because Sabathia was a rental. Cleveland was just trying to get something back because they knew they would not be able to resign him and he wasn't worth much on the open market because yeah. uh, he was only under contract for the remainder of the 2008 season. I, I wonder if they could have if they could have gotten more if it was a team that had a realistic shot at re-signing CC. I don't think they could have gotten more in terms of potential, I think they could have gotten a better return. Um, they, they whiffed on this. You know, I, to yeah. me, this was a reasonable return for what you were expecting to get. Because I don't think another team would necessarily give you more just because they could resign. And the point is the market value is lower because yeah. of that. So, like, right. maybe you could hose somebody. But realistically speaking, no, I think that this is a, it was a rare miss for the Cleveland front office. They really screwed up on the centerpiece of this trade, and then they kind of accidentally bailed themselves out with Michael Brantley. Um, <laughs> but, all right, so who is that centerpiece? Last call. Um, we'll let Irby tell you guys, um, unless Bo gets there first. I think I think Irby should have to take this one. Yeah, he's been really quiet. Former, former Florida Gator. That's true. That's true, actually. You're right. You're right. Let's, let's let Irby put this one out there. So this is a... But last hint, guys, first baseman, ultimately a left fielder, um, proud Florida Gator. Uh, really don't know what else to tell you about him other than that he was out of baseball rather quickly. Um, by 2012, he was gone. Um, but So if you haven't got it by now, you're probably not going to get it. Oh, he's, he's left-handed, too. I'll put that out there. 
case that helps anybody. But, um, Irby? Who was the gentleman? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a great... A great line of 4A players. Um, I don't know if he would make the great line of 4A players, but he should. Yeah, maybe three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Triple A and a half, not quite quad A. Because um, he, yeah, this was a, he was a he former first-round draft pick of the, yeah. the Brewers. Um, serious pop coming out of uh, Florida and then never developed uh, when you switch from that metal bat to the wood bat. That would be one Matt Laporta. Yeah, there we go. Oh, wow. I actually oh, know that Mal, name. Mal Laporta. Huge, huge disappointment to Cleveland fans everywhere. Yeah, big, very, very promising prospect pretty much the whole way through the Brewers system. And then ultimately when he made the leap, it just wasn't there. Um, he, he actually never got on the field for the Brewers at the major league level, but Cleveland called him up uh, the following season in 2009 and he just never really got there. I mean, I, I think we knew kind of from the outset that he was not going to be as advertised. So really, really disappointing. Like you said, Irby, you know, huge hype guy is very, very well liked coming out of the draft, coming out of Florida, looked like a pretty complete player and it just, <laughs> he did not make the transition at all. <laughs> to Woodbat. when I actually, I believe he played Woodbat um, summer league. So you would think somebody might have noticed something there, but alas, twas not to be. <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah, I, I actually remember this guy in college. Um, just yeah. it, it was it was um it was a good Florida team while he was there. It was, it was a good Florida team. His it was one of the years, and it probably I'm I'm assuming it was probably the year he got drafted. But he had one year. It was a like a twenty plus home run, like eighty RBI type slugging over a thousand type and it's it's the reason why they did something like this and we've kind of seen that you know that that trend go away of yeah you don't really want to do first basements with your number one pick yeah (laughs) Yeah. hope they can do something else and this is exactly why because when it doesn't work and the power doesn't transfer then you're like oh well you're useless (laughs) yeah exactly yeah it's Teams have gotten a lot smarter about this since then. I know it hasn't been that long, but we've had a lot of evolution <laughs> in the way that we look at draft picks, and, and people have really started to shy away from this whole, like, well, you know, left-handed first baseman with power, and it's like, what are you going to do with that guy if his ball don't pop? Uh, the majors, well, you're going to do nothing with him. He's going to watch out in a couple of years. So, you know, Matt Laporta, unfortunate lesson learned by the Cleveland front office. Um, all right, so where are they now? CC Sabathia, this is a pretty easy one. He was in Cleveland from 2001 to 2008, uh, very, very briefly in Milwaukee for a couple of months at the end of 2008. There's the rest of his career with the New York Yankees. Nice long time, 2009 to 2019. He is now a host of the R2C2 podcast with Ryan Rocco. It's actually a pretty good podcast. A fair warning, it's, if you haven't heard it, it's very Yankee homer-y. But uh, other than that, also, there's a lot of swearing. Don't listen to it in your car with your kids. CC um, seems to be unable to get their sense without using the F word. So fair warning, but uh, but they do do a nice job. They get really good guests. Um, they've got a fun podcast, so something to put out there. But yeah, um, certainly a, not quite a Hall of Famer, but really, really, I, I think, respectable career there for CC. And who has, I think, you know, despite continuing to sort of identify himself as a New York Yankee, doesn't have much to say about the Brewers, but who has been pretty kind and thoughtful uh, towards the Guardians, too, is, is given a lot of praise to that organization as well. So uh, a, a nice career that was largely split between 
two organizations that were pretty successful during his time there. He did win a Cy Young with Cleveland in 2007. Um, Matt Laporta, yeah, the dud, um, the quad A or the three and a half A or whatever we're calling him, a uh, very promising prospect, Florida Gator. Uh, he was with Cleveland in the, from 2009 to 2012. Um, he was DFA'd at that point. He made a, a very brief return. He tried to catch on by signing a minor league contract with the Orioles in 2015. That did not last either. Um, he's now a private equity investor. And guys, he looks like he's 57. Please Google him. Like, wow. he has, like, the old man hair. I mean, it's a well-preserved 57, but, like, this guy's, like, totally gray. Like, he's 37 years old. Like, I saw the picture, and I was like, did I get his age wrong? Like, am I, like, really mixed up? And then I thought, is that a photo of his dad? No. This is 37-year-old Malaport, so please look this up. Like, dude, so, quick he's quick. old beyond his time. You say he's, like, a financial yeah? advisor? Is that what you said? Private equity investor. Okay. So, well, yeah. I don't know. The, well, I can go get my husband if you want to know exactly what that means. I don't really considering know. Considering the finance guy. Considering <laughs> the market the last 10, 15 years, I, I could see what that would age somebody. I. It's possible. I mean, it's private equity, and it's, that's like, it's not like venture. There's John. Um, I. <laughs> looking around for help here because I, I don't know. They're all just finance guys to me. Like the whole lot of right. them, even though all their jobs yeah. are very different. And, you know, husband is kind enough never to tell me anything about the specifics of this because I just, you know, my eyelids start to droop. But yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know exactly what a private equity investor is. Is that like one of those guys that comes over and helps you with your retirement fund? Or I don't guys, I don't know. I, you know what's but, embarrassing you know. is I'm in the financial publishing field and I don't know. Nobody knows what finance guys do. All these finance guys. Like, Bo works in the field. I'm married to one, and neither one of us knows what it is. Seems like it's par for follow, the course. Follow us for more financial advice. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. Oh, no, don't um, do follow, that. follow Matt Laporta for financial advice. He does have a Twitter account. It is active, sort of. He mostly just retweets Florida Gator stuff. But... Um, <laughs> anyway, Matt Laporta, old before his time, doing some financial job which no one on this podcast can decipher accurately, which is, <laughs> we're so dumb. Um, Bryson, uh, one of the pitchers involved here, um, was in the minors of Cleveland um, from 2000, well, beginning in Milwaukee in 2007, Cleveland through 2013. He caught on briefly in the Atlantic League until 2016. And his venture to parts unknown now. No idea what happened to him now. The internet did not share a lot with me about him. Uh, same thing with poor Zach Jackson, uh, who, as I mentioned, was in Cleveland through 2009 with the Miners and has now been usurped on his own BB Ref page by another Zach Jackson, <laughs> who is the current baseball player. So poor dude. Uh, we'll, we'll let BB Ref know. There's an error there. Um, and then, of course, finally, Michael Brantley, uh, who was with Cleveland from 2009 to 2018, uh, homegrown product for Cleveland, left as a free agent with Houston since 2019. Until now, unfortunately, injured, not able to participate in the World Series, which is sad because he's like the one guy on the Houston roster that you want to cheer for. But uh, he's technically still an active baseball player, and he's only 35, so I expect we will see him back in uniform next year. Oh, boy. All right. That's a great trade, Smith. That was a lot of fun. Uh, for those of you out there listening, if you do know what a private equity person is, <laughs> hit us up on Twitter. 
Those handles are in the uh, summation of the show on whichever podcast app you are listening to us on. Uh, don't forget to give us a like, give us a review, and hit us up on Twitter. That's going to do it for us, though. We're out of here. Until next week, watch the World Series. It's good for you.